welcome everybody. Uh, another somber episode. Rich and I are here to give a tribute to Chandy Greenholt, our friend and longtime dealer, Ina's dealer that passed away. It's another loss. It just seems we've had an awful lot of loss lately. He was somebody else. You were too, Rich, looking forward to seeing him at the National. But thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Rich Klein, welcome to the show. You're younger than me. My perception is Chandy was pretty close to my age. He was. And I consider that young. Okay. But I'm not sure he was in great health. Our tributes are not to get into the medical as much as just to really say this was what John Newman and Danny Black talk about, a real mensch in the hobby. My favorite Chandy Greenhold story involves you. Oh, okay. At the 2019 National, yeah. for the first time ever, you know, he would start with all items on his table, a dollar. Yeah. He switched it on Saturday to a quarter. I started looking and I said, mm, this is too much work for me, but I know somebody who will enjoy a quarter a card. And I parked you at his table and you basically spent most of Saturday at his table. And every once in a while, I'd bring somebody to meet you because I knew where you were. And my favorite of that was when Tim Shepler, Shep, Big you know, Shep. about a met you. And he was like on the moon because you had listened to his podcast and you recognized him. But Chandy was a really solid person. You never heard a bad word about him. Ever. He has nobody that's mad at him other than they're disappointed that he's gone, but he really provided a service within the hobby. So he must have been buying right because he had amazing deals. I think he had like what estate sales do, but it's a dollar on Thursday and then it's 50 cents on Friday. They keep lowering the price each day, but somehow you're right. That time he accelerated the discount. Apparently he wasn't getting enough action at 50 cents and he went straight to a quarter and it was a bonanza. It was so much fun. We talk about the dollar boxes, any bargain boxes. It's not fun to go through a box of 500 cards and pull out one card. It's fun to pull out handfuls of cards, several cards, enough to make it fun. And I was doing that with him. One thing I wanted to get at, just that his skill, he probably was not available for hire when I was trying to grow the company, but he was very sharp, very knowledgeable. And I think probably pretty entrenched with his family in Raleigh or Winston-Salem, wherever he was. But boy, wouldn't he fit in with our team back in he the day? He would have fit in with anybody, I suspect. Just a really sharp guy. But I think he enjoyed running and owning season ticket, which was his store for all those years. And one thing was I served with him. We'll say served. That that's probably not the right term, but we were both contributors. Frank Barney on Baseball Hobby News would have let's say, dealer comments about a question of the month. He always had really good comments about that. And I know he carried all your magazines and there was never an issue and he was always very friendly. I assume he helped with some of the books too. Yeah, he did. He just, he was a smart guy. He was, he was kind. And like I say, when he was composing his dollar boxes, we've emphasized in the podcast here, the skill of pulling from the dollar boxes. But really, there's a skill in uh, populating the dollar boxes, which he apparently had. Because when you buy a collection, which clearly he was buying large collections in that area, and what a nice guy to sell your collection to. He had a great demeanor, really solid. So he's buying this collection, 5% of it, like you always say, you can take the cream off the top. That's 5 or 10% and sell that off and maybe get 
a lot of your money back. And then there's some dregs. There's some stuff that just bulk out. And the dollar boxes or these bargain boxes are some of the things in between. But if you put the dregs in with the dollar box, even if there's some nuggets in there, people don't want to have one out of every hundred cards be a decent card. They're going to immediately get the sense of the character of the dollar box, that these are not base cards or just relatively valueless, that are worth a lot less than a dollar, even a lot less than a quarter in some dollar boxes that you and I go through. But there's enough of them that are more than a dollar or more than what it is that, that we'd have fun. So he had that skill and th- he had cards in there that other dealers would have pitched because he apparently had enough of an eye to see this is the variation. This is the parallel. This is the more difficult insert. Not, not super expensive, but enough to be appropriate for a dollar box. What happened to me yesterday as a buyer? I found in a dollar box, it was put in by accident, but the dealer let me keep it. One of those really easy to tell, except by me. I didn't realize it until I flipped the card over later. SSPs from 2023 tops. Well, they're labeled now. They're you labeled. It's really easy. I flipped it over. The photo looked different. There was something instinctively exactly. that I saw on something the photo. It looks different. Yeah. It looked different. And I couldn't figure out why. And the person behind the counter explained to me what the difference was. Yeah. And since it's friends of ours, what they let me do is I bought the rest of the purchase and they tossed that one in for free, well, which wasn't people, bad. People want to think the dealers are quote unquote lazy in that sense. But you and I are not lazy. When we're going through the dollar boxes, it's not lazy to mainly look at the front of the card or mainly look at the back of the card. If you look at the front and the back of every card, you, you can't get through one box. And the dealer has that same predicament. But you, Chandy, uh, yeah. me, we can see that something might be a little off just by the front of the card. And there's so little down risk at a quarter a card that you don't even have to look at the back necessarily. You'll say, I'll take a chance at the front. And one thing about Chandy, we're praising, and he was good. But if he bought 105 items, it was $105. I remember him counting. Now, I was wondering, Rich, because there are two reasons to make me think this. He came across as an absent-minded professor, but really smart. And when he was already discounting it, I wasn't looking to get a further discount, but he was probably a numbers guy too. But um, he squinted a lot. And so I'm wondering if he had good eyesight for two reasons. One, I think when he was leafing through the cards and counting them, he's probably trying to figure out what's going on here. But that one time, Rich, he didn't recognize me first. Now, I I had known him for not 50 years, but 40-something years I'd known him. I knew him in the 70s. Maybe I'm older. I look a little different. And so he had to do a double take. And then he remembered me. But I just wondered maybe his eyes weren't that great. He probably also didn't expect you to be sitting at his table. Back in the day when he was doing all those shows, you really weren't going to stop and go through his dollar boxes either. There's a lot of times when you see a person in a different situation, Out of you don't recognize that person X at a place Y. Yeah. You talked about the college professor, and I was reading the people who posted all these nice things about him on Leon Lucky's Net 54 post, and he's apparently the son of professors. Yes. And apparently was a math prodigy, sort of like you were. You had a PhD in statistics by your mid-20s, which is pretty darn good. So apparently he's a lot like you in that, where he had the math skills immediately and loved doing sports cards. And let's face it, it's more fun doing sports cards than statistics. Yeah, okay. Using your number here, but after I pulled out this big stack of cards and I'm reaching for my wallet to give him the money and it's 105 not 100, but 105. So I'm getting the discount. I'm 
but I'm thinking, gee, a hundred cards would be $25, $105, and he goes, 26, 25. And I looked at him. I said, that's okay. We're old time friends. And he squinted at me and he went, oh yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that'll be $26. He said, this is a great deal. I said, I know Chandy, thank you for providing this service. I frankly would have paid more, but just let me take these cards that I've laboriously gone through. You took at least a couple boxes that day. I know. Okay. So my other story of Chandy that I'm telling now because he's passed away, I had a confidential deal with him in 79 that he swore me to secrecy. He basically found not a hoard, but he found a group of a very rare card. He found five copies of the same card that was quite valuable and quite rare. And he contacted me and he said, you've done these surveys. Maybe I'd done the first book. He said, so you're really knowledgeable about this, but you indicate that this card is really tough. And I'm sitting here looking at five of them and I don't want to crush the market but I'm not sure what to do. You're more in the, I think it was 78 because I was still dealing and hitting a lot of shows. He said, could you help me sell these in a quiet way? I said, I know two people right off the bat that want this card and I, I will make you confidential so nobody's bugging you and I will find five homes for these cards. But they don't want to know that there's four others out there when before there were hardly any. And so we did that deal and he trusted me. I trusted him. And I represented him confidentially and everybody was happy. And the value of the card was not crushed. It probably did go down a little bit because people are not always completely quiet when they get a card that's a tough card. That sounds like the Dormant Hodges story, if I remember correctly, where for years that was like the toughest of those postcards. And then somebody found a whole group of them, and I think they released them all at once. And boy, did that price come way down. Exactly, because it's no longer scarce. My point is he understood the hobby as a true collector and the thrill of the chase and understanding rarity. And because a lot of the stuff in his dollar boxes, it's exactly what I like. They weren't high demand cards, but they were low supply. And he had to put them in there knowing that this is a low demand card, but he would want it, but it would take a long time to find that person. But when he did that in 2019, Comp C was rolling pretty good. And still is, by the way. Is, but I'm just saying it, we already had critical mass. But if he would have gotten into Comp C as a dealer, it's hard to just dabble in Comp C. You need to jump in with both feet. And, and that would have been a lot of work. Maybe would have needed to hire somebody to say, okay, these are the cards that are going to go to Comp C. They don't sell instantly. And I think he was a good businessman. In fact, such a good businessman that he shut down his physical location before it was completely out of gas. The reason for having a physical location is also now different. I talk about some of these stores as the model of a modern card store. Chandy's store would not have been the model of a modern exactly. card store. Yeah. It would have been a type of place you and I would have liked to have gone well, to. Exactly. When it looked old school like that, it would also be a buying platform for older collections. I think he did great, and I'm hoping that his heirs do great, because it sounds like he didn't die with much warning. And I hope the auction houses don't harm his widow, because I'm sure he had nice stuff. I don't remember talking to him about his collection, but he knew cards. And he had a good show stock. It wasn't all dollar box stuff. No, but we like the dollar box stuff better. There's no downside. Yes. The best dollar box people are any dealer for that much. They leave a little meat on the bone. This getting 
max retail for everything and even above comps and things like that. You can do that occasionally, but if you do that all the time, it's not fun to deal with those people. Shandy was passing on his savings and he was loved and respected because he was uh, he was looking for win-win. As we said, he did the Chantilly show last week. So he was working basically that's, out to the end. That's the Jefferson Burdick model. Put the last card in the album and then your time is up. He said when he put that last card in the album at the Met, I won't be coming back. That was on a Friday and he yeah. was gone by Monday. But you don't want to die at the show. There's very few people that have died at shows. That's pretty rough. On the other hand, I could do the Red Barber argument. Yeah. Red Barber wrote in one of his books, if you're going to die, you die at a pinnacle moment. For some I, people, walking into a show like The National could be considered a pinnacle moment. You're doing what you love. Yeah. We hired, as a company, two people a daughter and a widow of a somebody widow who, did who passed on entering the 1990 National. Exactly. Two really good hires, by the way. Fabulous hires. And a lot of that came from Dan, the oh. husband, the patriarch, who really established the tone and empowered his wife and daughter to enjoy the hobby as well. What a blessing. We already did a tribute to Louise Bird. But... Jim Fleck, who worked with Levi for all these years, passed right. during Just a like... Chicago show last year. Yeah. If I'm at the National and I go, yeah. getting me home would be another subject, but I'd be doing the thing I love to do, perhaps more than anything else. Sounds good right now, Rich, but take care of yourself. <laughs> I'm doing my best on that. And me too. And we've got wives that have opinions about that as well. So they want us to be around, which is a good thing. Any last thoughts about Chandy? When you read all the tributes, you know how much people really respected him. Yeah. Well, he's worthy of respect. The success I've had, I've just had fabulous contributors over the years, including you, obviously. But Jenny got along great with us. Like a life well lived. Which a is life really well lived. Yes. He was a good man. And we have pleasant memories of a guy, but condolences to his wife and kids and family and friends. And a little tribute to all the dealers that pass at the National. Yeah, that's melancholy, but that's a nice thing. Thanks, Rich. And, Thanks, Jim. Uh, and the rest in peace, Chandy Greenholt. The man in the house of God. Man